Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here on the Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer. And Week is rolling on. Oh, Smoky Moonshine. Yes, it is. It's going fast. Yes, it is. Plenty to get to over the uh, the next hour here to get you through your work day. We've got uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, joins us weekly. We'll scout the top players across college football and discuss what's at stake over the final three weeks here and what we could be seeing uh, for the NFL draft and how they can help themselves and who's caught his staff side. They've got 18 different scouts out each and every weekend at the top college games. We start the hour, though, with Amy Dash, Odyssey's legal insider. And uh, Amy, we, we said earlier, we, we would like to say just you're our go, go-to legal insider. Is that fair? Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Am I getting a contract? Uh, yes. Um, our lawyers will be in touch. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy for you I, since I, I, you, know, you are a legal expert. Yeah. I feel like you're probably a lot of people's legal analyst and expert. I think you're probably a lot of uh, people's go-to for all legal advice, right? Uh, a lot of people. I had to narrow it down. I was becoming too popular. But I remember that uh, when I was living in the city, when I was much younger than I am now, and I had to negotiate an apartment lease, the other side said to me that it wasn't the Empire State Building, so I should really calm down. Well, uh, we appreciate you keeping us on your list. Uh, after you trim that list, that we're still on the short list, that we can call you and get your advice. Thank you very much for that. Sure. Uh, Amy, can you just Cliff Notes version here? What, what should we be expecting on Friday for Michigan Jim Harbaugh, and what they're presenting in front of this judge in hopes that they have a temporary restraining order and Harbaugh's on the sideline as Michigan takes on Maryland this weekend. So there'll be oral arguments from both sides. It's unclear if Jim will be allowed to testify. He said in a lot of articles that he's eager to testify. I'd say that would normally require a more extensive hearing on a preliminary injunction. But uh, really, I think it's going to come down to whether the judge believes that the bylaws were followed by the conference. And we can get more into that in follow up. But I think what just to answer your initial question, what there is to expect is that people are going to be presenting evidence on both sides. And so what Jim and his lawyers are going to want to present is that he could suffer immediate and irreparable injury that would not be able to be fixed um, if he is not allowed to coach in the game of the weekend and and subsequently thereon. So um, the other side's going to have to show that, no, there's not going to be reputational damage. There's not going to be irreparable harm because the outcome of sporting events are traditionally felt to be too speculative. In other words, if one player or one coach is not participating, most courts will say it wouldn't harm the outcome because there's just simply too many factors at play over whether a team wins or loses. So Jim's going to have to make the opposite argument that Michigan is reliant upon him. And we can talk more about that. Um, you know, there are some things that will help him. There are some things will hurt that will hurt him. He's also going to have to make the argument that his due process rights have been irreparably harmed um, and that it's not in the public interest 
um, for the university or for other universities in the future to have to face this type of a punishment prior to the NCAA deciding on their investigation results and their punishments so, so that it was just too swift of a punishment. How So within the bylaw, the, the, the broad aspect of the sportsmanship policy, does that, that certainly helps Tony Petiti and the Big Ten, but given the fact that there's another ongoing investigation by the governing body of the NCAA, does that help Jim Harbaugh in Michigan more? Well, that's going to be the determining factor. It's going to come down to whether uh, the judge believes that the bylaws were followed. And as you mentioned, there is a conflict between the laws because the Big Ten has this sportsmanship policy that does give broad discretion to the commissioner to punish for up to two games. So you may have struggled there, uh, basically for anything that affects the integrity and the competition. But then you have Rule 32 of the Big Ten Handbook, which outlines a totally different procedure that some may say conflicts with the sportsmanship policy, whereby Rule 32 says that once the NCAA starts an investigation, the conference is really supposed to wait until that investigation is over and punishment should be decided first by the NCAA. And then specifically, it says the conference would issue its own punishments after the NCAA. So which rule here uh, prevails, which one trumps the other is the, is going to be the big question. And do you think that is going to be Michigan's main point, that Rule 32 that you highlighted, that, hey, the NCAA investigation started, so you should wait until it's over? Is it? Will this thing fall on the judge's interpretation of that part of the bylaw? Well, if they're smart enough to make that argument, which I think they are, um, then yes, I think that's what it's going to fall upon. But then, of course, it's going to be clouded by all of these other considerations because there's a multi-prong assessment here by the judge where it's not just what are the laws and are they being followed? Um, it's also, is there a, a harm here to the public interest? Is it more likely than not that there will be irreparable and immediate harm to the university um, or to Jim? I think where it gets a little tricky is that they seem to be going in with the dominant argument that Michigan is going to suffer. And like I said, in the past, courts just feels too speculative to decide that whether a coach participates or not would harm the outcome of a sporting event. Also, you have the fact that he's allowed to prepare the team. So while he can't coach during the game, he hasn't completely been stripped of his coaching responsibilities. So that's going to hurt that argument. Yeah. A better argument is the individual argument that Jim's reputation will be harmed. But again, in the past, it hasn't held water for most athletes. So it's probably not going to for a coach. Plus, you have another investigation into Jim. So the other side would just argue, well, his reputation is already on the line here because he's at risk of being charged as a repeat violator anyway for uh, the recruiting during COVID investigation. And Michigan's already self-imposed a three-game suspension for him uh, where the rules are set up the same. He could coach during the week, not on game day. Amy Dash, our guest, how... If you're the Big Ten and you're arguing for why you did it, even though you're not, you're, you're technically supposed to wait if there's an ongoing investigation by the NCAA, do you present evidence that the NCAA helped you in your investigation? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of evidence uh, that the Big Ten was able to review that they said they were able to conclude that this happened, that the sign stealing and the scouting occurred independently of the NCAA. Again, they have the right to make that conclusion. It's just about whether they can hand the punishment down before or after. There's a whole long laundry list of things that they were presented with 
um, that I could go into if you needed me to, but that basically there's a lot of evidence they were able to review. Now, another thing is Jim's being punished in a supervisory role, which is appropriate here. Whether he had knowledge or not, customarily, he is responsible. And that's not just in the public interest argument, but that's also that coaches traditionally take the blame in their contracts. That's part of most coaches' contracts, that they are responsible for supervising and they are responsible for things that happen under their watch, whether or not they knew about it. So uh, Chad brought up a great question uh, earlier in the show, and I, I mentioned I'm going to save it for you. I don't want to get this in. Uh, Chad, the the idea that Harbaugh could actually help, uh, hurt himself by testifying, not help, but he's eager to do it anyway, and whether or not he should. Yeah, and I think you said, Amy, he's not going to be allowed to do that, or do you think that you expect him to be there? Um, uh, He'll be there. I don't think he'll be allowed. I'd be surprised. I should say that he'd be allowed to testify at this point because it seems like it was set up for dueling oral arguments between the attorneys. But then there can be a more expansive hearing where there can be testimony um, later on in terms of a preliminary injunction, which is something that wouldn't take immediate effect. So he wouldn't be allowed to play, I mean, to coach in the weekend game. However, if a preliminary injunction is put in place later, it could help him because that could stay in place for weeks or months until there's some sort of due process and the case is decided in, on the merits in a court of law. Well, it robs us of some hilarious moments yeah. if he's not allowed to speak in that, given some of the things he said in his press conference about being um, Tom Cruise and a few good men if he's allowed to defend himself. I'd love to hear yeah. the quotes from that. So how, how far can this thing branch out in terms of the argument from Michigan? Because we saw that prepared statement they sent back to the Big Ten, and it goes from – hey, this was our point differential before all this, and here it is after, and it's not that much difference. And, oh, we think Ohio State turned us in, and we think that you know Rutgers and, and other programs had something to do with it. Do you think that that's going to get into the argument here, or are they going to stay very basic in terms of following through with the bylaws on this one? Yeah, they're really not going. I don't think they're going to get into any of that because that has nothing to do with the question at hand. So the courts like everything to stay very focused, which would exclude um, his a few good men argument or whatever yeah. sort of grandstanding he wants to do Bummer. that he alluded to. Um, so I think it will stay very focused and I don't think it will proceed past uh, if the TRO is denied, I don't think that they will pursue the legal route. I could be wrong, but it would defeat the purpose, right? Because by the time they were to even go through the court system, he would have ha already served the suspension. So finally, just quickly, what do you think happens here? Do you think he, he gets the TRO? That's a good question. So initially, I did not think that he gets the TRO. However, when I was really um, examining with a microscope, the language of the handbook and the rule 32 and the sportsmanship policy, I think there's a chance he may get it only because the NCAA has already launched an investigation and a rule 32 was in place before the sportsmanship policy, which may be so vague that it might undermine itself. Whereas Rule 32 is very specific and clear that punishment should come after the NCAA concludes its investigation. So I think if you have two competing bodies, you really have to go to the specific language um, rather than defer to something that might be so broad that and vague that it's confusing. This is fascinating. Amy, thank you for the uh, 
for the analysis and uh, opinion here and uh, breaking it down for us because we, we couldn't have done it on our own. If Harbaugh does go a few good men, please come back yeah. on after this hearing and uh, we can recap his performance. That would be a reason to get cameras into the courtroom, which I advocate for. No doubt. Take uh, care. All right, thank you. A- at Amy-TV is where you can spot, find her on social. Someone in the YouTube chat said, um, get Connor Stallions in with his spy glasses <laughs> to film the, the hearing. And maybe he's see, the, everybody uh, could see it. Maybe he's the, uh, the illustrator. Yeah, the the court stenographer. He's a stenographer. Yeah, it's um, I think in terms of the counter argument from the Big Ten, if this uh, you know, the clause I about just, it's clear I, and detrimental to the the well being of the team and all that, isn't the response? Well, you're four and zero without him on the sideline this year. Well, my, I think so. The, it hasn't done anything to cost your team anything. And I, I don't he's know. Not been on the sideline. I don't know what they can present if, if if anything with this, but I would just present it's the same suspension as what Michigan self-imposed to him earlier this year. Yeah. And, and, and you're four and they're four and you're four and without it. And I would and, also, and then also I think then a response would be, then why do you care if it's not a big deal? Just let him coach. <laughs> if he's four and with, with him right. on the sideline, right? I mean, there's, there's a, a number of ways to look at this. It is interesting that bylaw 32 about typically when an NCAA investigation is started, the office will wait to do anything until after it's concluded. Um, I, I Look, there's going to be the argument made, and I think it's a good argument that could be made about the exceptional nature of this and the competitive balance of it and, and everyone in the conference having an issue with it. Um, look, it's I think it's very much up in the air. Talking to Amy about it, she was hesitant to say one way or the other about what she thinks is going to happen. And, in fact, she's kind of changed her mind as the week has gone on. And, uh, I mean – Really, it just comes down to the judge having ties, right? As you mentioned earlier, to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it could. Look, I, I would like to think that the judge, you know, regardless of ties, would rule in the way they feel is right and just in this based on what the power of the Big Ten commissioner really is right. and what Michigan is arguing. But um, if I had to guess, they're going to get that temporary restraining order. Plus, if you're Michigan, you can argue to the NCAA in the future – who knows when? You already you, you've already been punished for this. This is going to serve yeah. as the punishment, and they're going to move on towards uh, uh, potentially college football playoff. And I also uh, well, and Ali Ali says that, and this is right. Harbaugh still being able to coach during the week yeah. lessens the punishment greatly. It absolutely does. That's again why I think it's so crazy that Sharon Moore is acting like there's been a death in the Michigan football family. After the game, you were just with the guy right before the bus ride to the stadium. See, it's not like you haven't seen him in a few weeks. He's there in every meeting, every game plan session, every film study, every practice during the week. He's just not there during the game. See, I, I view it just more as they they came down with the punishment prior to the investigation concluding. That to me is the argument to be made, and. On the flip side, if, you know, what did she say? Article 28 says once the NCAA begins 32. the investigation. 32. You can't just, you're not supposed to do your own punishment. I just would, to wait, yeah, until after the NCAA rules. I mean, didn't we have reports that the NCAA was confirming things and handing things to the Big Ten in part of this? Well, yeah, but I mean, we know the NCAA is investigated because they were on campus within two days. No, I'm saying of all of this, the the investigation that was opened by the Big Ten was after the NCAA informed Michigan and the Big yeah, Ten about look, it. Yeah, that's pretty and clear they, cut. But I, what I'm saying is the NCAA after that helped the Big Ten in their investigation. Yeah, 
So that would to me that benefits the Big Ten's argument against Article Thirty Two. Well, no, because the NCAA uh, they started their investigation already. So the the way the article the way she read it is once they start the investigation into the school, doesn't matter who's given what information. You just press pause until that investigation is concluded by the NCAA. So if the NCAA investigation started, then they hand everything over to the Big Ten. What Michigan would argue is you should not be ruling until it's over. What the Big Ten is going to argue is this is extreme circumstances. The commissioner has the power to rule in situations like this with every other bylaw, and we acted in that way. And It's going to be interesting to see how this thing falls. And they're investigating two different things. That's the other argument. The NCAA is investigating whether or not the scouting took took place off campus with cameras. And the Big Ten is investigating whether or not a violation was made with the sportsmanship policy. Those are two different things. You can, Again, it's semantics. And I think that's well, what makes it it's, difficult. It's it, One thing is the violation of the sportsmanship policy is what right, they're arguing. But they're investigating whether or not it was in violation of the sportsman, sportsmanship policy, not whether or not it occurred. the sportsmanship policy is so vague. You know, they could say that's, it's, that's any, my it's point. anything. So they, th- that helps the Big Ten in that case. Yes. It, it, as vague as Mel Tucker's contract was. It's true. And private school coaches when they don't have to reveal and no matter the contract what happens, numbers. Always vague. They've punished them more than the NCAA has. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow. Rolls on across the Outkick Network. We say hello to Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, who joins us now. Jim, always great to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, yeah good to see you guys. We talk a lot about Michigan, as you as you might expect. We discussed that with you last week about the possible twenty players that are certainly NFL caliber. JJ McCarthy's being discussed quite a bit about all of the runs versus the eight passes. Uh, break down for us if you can just what you see from him and what he's capable of if he's not asked to turn around and hand the football off thirty six times in the second half. Yeah, well, I'm a trained scout, so we never really comment on things unless we we, we don't talk out of our rear ends. Um, a lot of people like to do that. Uh, a scout will never do that because you can get shown up in a draft room pretty quickly. So 
I've not studied JJ, okay. man. I'm, un- I'm unprepared for this question. Um, as a Michigan alum and watching him on TV, I can tell you what I see. There we go. Uh, he's a very good athlete for the position. He's got a really loose arm. He can whip it. Um, I just think that play calling had nothing to do with JJ McCarthy. It was a statement by the coaching staff that they wanted to run it down Penn State's throat, and they did that. I mean, how many times can you line up and run the ball 30 times in a row and ice a game? So to me, that was more about the mentality and a statement the coaching staff was trying to make. To make. Um, certainly had no bearing on J.J. McCarthy. I think that uh, just talking with guys in the league, he's probably safely a day two quarterback, a guy that people in the NFL see as a potential starting quarterback. Um, so, yeah, man, you, you would do that if you didn't have faith in your quarterback. I think that had nothing to do with J.J., I just think it had more about, um, you know, Sharon Moore, uh, the interim head coach, just wanted to make a statement of what this Michigan football team is and how they were built. Um, and he's the offensive line coach. He takes a lot of pride in that unit, um, and he put that unit to work the other day. Yeah, and we have, as far as how they're built, we hear physical, especially when they play Ohio State, Penn State, whatever. Uh, how do you yeah. – how, does that jump off the page to you in the Big Ten, and then what do you see – from their matchups in the college football playoff against the SEC or even TCU? Yeah, they're uh, they're a big physical group that played a lot of football. Um, you know, they won the Joe Moore Award two years in a row. So uh, they're obviously a good unit. I think they're, they're, they're a better unit than maybe they are individually, um, collectively. They're the sum of the parts theory. Um, but I got all those guys, and they've got guys on the bench right now uh, that aren't even playing that, you know, a lot of a lot of that was made in the preseason that we had seven senior offensive linemen on the senior bowl watch list. Um, and there's a chance like talking to NFL scouts like those. If I think they'll keep a couple guys in. I'll stop by saying that. I think a couple of those guys will stay. Um, but if they all came out, I think all seven guys would have a, a decent chance of getting drafted. So um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they've got one more big boy football matchup left. And that's, uh, you know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving against the Buckeyes. So. Um, and they have tried to do that to Ohio State the last couple of years. They've, they've been the bully a little bit. So um, I don't know if that was like a precursor. I don't know if Sharon Moore is trying to make a statement with uh, to the Buckeyes with what what they can do to other Big Ten teams. But um, they, they seem like they're pretty intentional in their in their play calling. You mentioned the, the, the Senior Bowl watch list. Jim Nagy, uh, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, joins us weekly. The watch list prior to the kickoff of the college football season to now, how much does it change? Uh, do, do you add to it? Does it really does it really go down as you assess things for what you want to do in February? And how much are you keeping up with that on a daily or maybe hourly basis based on what your scouts are sending in? Yeah, it goes down pretty quickly. There's a pretty quick process of elimination when you're when you're only trying to bring a hundred and you know, 30 seniors here. And now that, sh- that list is even shorter now that we can bring the juniors. Um, so there's even less seniors in play now. So when you're trying, we were at like 700. So uh, okay. yeah, it got narrowed down, but it's just a starting point. I mean, there's guys every year that kind of play themselves onto the radar. We've had guys every year that actually end up getting invites that weren't on the watch list to start the season. So it's a really fluid process. We take a lot of pride in the fact that we stay open-minded through the process, we watch all these guys. We keep our ears open with NFL scouts, with with agents. We'll call us on certain players, certainly head coaches, assistant coaches. Um, we have, you know we owe it to these players. You know it's really it's really hard when you're not in schools every day, like these NFL teams are. Um, you got to use all your resources. So that that's even down to like analytics. Like we'll look at the 
the PFF grades on players and, and certain things like that. So, um, yeah, it is certainly a fluid process. Yeah, a guy that I feel like we haven't spent a lot of time talking about at quarterback is Jordan Travis at Florida State because since that game against Clemson, they haven't really been tested. They had a competitive game against Miami this past weekend, but they're sitting in prime position to be one of those four playoff teams. What do you think of, of this senior season for Travis? Yeah, he's uh, he's made a he's made a nice jump since last year. He's he's an interesting guy because they don't ask him to do a whole lot, um, and he can go through some games like cruising along, not doing a whole lot. And then when they need him to make a play, he's got a knack for making a play, and that's a pretty cool trait as a quarterback. Whether it's whether it's with his legs or taking a shot down the field, they like Johnny Wilson or or uh, Jaheim Bell is, is is tight end. I mean, they Keon Coleman. I mean, he's got some great playmakers. I think. You know, he, he's going to get picked apart a little bit that way, kind of like we saw with Mac Jones and Joe Burrow when they have these great supporting casts. He, he truly does have a maybe the best supporting cast in college football this year. But but to Jordan's credit, he's making those plays when they need him to be made. And, uh, and you know, going to, coming off these calls, we've had with NFL teams the last couple of weeks trying to put our, put our invite list together. Um, he's going to be a guy that gets drafted. You know, a couple of years ago, there was some thought he might be a wide receiver. Um, and now he's firmly going to get drafted as a developmental quarterback. So um, he's come a long way. Would you assess Riley Leonard the same way you, you would have prior to the start of the season? Yeah, and the, the injury thing was a bummer, man, because, I mean, we, we all saw what Duke did early in the year, knocking off Clemson, and there was all this really cool momentum um, going into like a matchup in Tallahassee. And, and some of these other big games this past week in North Carolina would have been a a great one to see Riley out there, but unfortunately the, I think it's a foot injury is going to, it might keep him out the rest of the year. Um, so I think we'll see Riley back in college football next year. I'm not sure. Um, he's kind of a local celebrity down here in mobile. He's from across mobile Bay from us in Fairhope, Alabama. So everyone down here is big Riley Leonard fans. Um, but he is a true dual threat. He is a really good athlete. He was a great Hooper in high school. Um, so we'll see where that goes. And then, you know, the other layer is if whatever happens with Mike Elko, um, if he ends up in college station, I mean, he's kind of the, the, the name you're seeing out there. What does that do to Riley Leonard? You know, I, I hate doing that game that yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be the, the, the typical media guy where I'm pontificating on where quarterbacks and coaches end up. But, but, uh, you know, I think there's some scenarios in the off season, Riley, uh, if coach Elko leaves, um, Riley's going to be a really sought after guy. So where's Arch Manning going to end up if Quinn Ewers – I'm kidding. Uh, but report is out that, uh, that Quinn Ewers may be coming back for another year at Texas. Uh, what do you think of – I know we've got injury concerns with him this season also, but from what you got to see, what, what did you make of, of Ewers and the possibilities if he comes back to Texas, what that offense could look like? Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. You know, I, I talked to some guys at Texas this week about a bunch of their underclassmen. Just I'm trying to get a handle on the junior thing now that that – that big news dropped last week. We're trying to get an idea of where they're at. You know, I mean, that's, that's a big key to what we're trying to do right now at the senior bowl is we're inviting some seniors, right. That, that I'm already getting phone calls about the, Hey Jim, we're trying to keep this guy in school. We're going to, we're going to put some NIL stuff together, try to keep this guy in another year. So with these juniors, I mean, that's especially important knowing what the schools, you know, what, what the player, if they have a feel for what the player wants to do. So I don't know what Quinn's going to do. I know he wants to win a national title. I know that's really important to him. Uh, I know the Longhorns or Longhorn program is really important to him. I think what he's going to have to weigh this offseason is like, you know, with his receivers. You know, he's got 
A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, and he, he's got a really good tight end. Like, what are those guys going to do? So there's just so many moving parts in college football right now because of all the different factors at play, portal, NIL, all these crazy things. Um, it just, it's just it, it's really kind of like the NFL has become a year-round news cycle. I mean, I feel like that's what college football has become with the portal and all the offseason movement. Um, I don't think Quinn yours is going anywhere. I think the question is going to be, does he come out in this year's draft or does he come back? Um, but I, I don't know. That'll be, that'll be a interesting uh, plot line for the off season. Well, a quarterback having a heck of a year statistically is Jaden Daniels at LSU. And Jim, I, I get, if I go online and look at a projection for him, I get anything from early third round to top five overall for, for Daniels. What, what do you think about what you've seen in his development in year two under Brian Kelly? Yeah, and it might even be, I hear you, it might even be wider than that in the NFL. Uh, there might be some more fourth round to, I mean, I don't know if the league's up there in top five. I think you're more for the NFL. It's more two to four right now on Jaden, um, depending on what team you talk to. But he certainly had a great year. I'm on the high end of that. I, I've been a, on the Jaden Daniels bandwagon since last year because we talked early in the year. I thought he was our most improved player we watched last year. Uh, most improved quarterback, at least in last year's class, like he and he and Bo Nix were the two guys that elevated into day two for us last year, uh, the end of day two and Hennon Hooker as well. And, you know, obviously Hennon came out in the draft to the Lions. But but uh, Jaden, to me, is the most exciting player in college football. He's the most unguardable player in college football right now. Um, I don't have a Heisman vote, um, but if I had one, it would be to Jaden Daniels. I don't care. They've lost three games. Um, he has been, been the most spectacular dynamic player in college football this year with his arm and his legs. So, um, yeah, I, I just can't say enough. I could sit here and go on and on about Jaden Daniels, but, um, it was something to watch the other night on TV. I wish, I wish I would have been in Tiger stadium to witness that because that was a historic performance against the Gators. How about the dynamic play of Cody Schrader for Missouri, uh, the running yeah. back, uh, right up your alley, senior. And he's doing a little bit of everything with the with the specialized nature now of the NFL. Is that guy viewed the same way, or or do we get back to? Is there a roster spot just for someone who could step in and do a handful of snaps per game? Because I don't see that anymore in the league. Yeah, he is a, one of the greatest stories in college football. I think people are just getting onto it because he just had that historic day himself. I mean, I don't, how do you pick SEC Player of the Week this week with <laughs> yeah, Jaden doing what he did and uh, Cody doing what he did? But but a great story for people that don't know. I mean, a Division II kid from Truman State. I don't even know if most people have heard of Truman State. So uh, for him to like bet on himself um, and not bet on himself and go to a you know an FCS school or even a Group of Five school. He bets on himself and goes into the SEC, um, which which tells you, speaks volumes about his confidence level as a kid. Um, and just watching the tape this year, like there's a little Austin Eckler to this guy for everyone that plays fantasy football. Uh, he's just kind of a do it all back. He's got great vision. He's tough. Yeah. Uh, tough as nails, really dependable. So, yeah, the, the Missouri coaches have, have hit me up on his behalf. I've had scouts this past week. Um, and that hadn't happened yet. I'd had a couple scouts hit me up the last couple of days about, about seeing him here in Mobile. And he certainly put himself in the conversation. He's had a great year. Yeah, I mean, the Senior Bowl is perfect for him because he can play multiple spots, too. They can move him around, see yep. what he's like, have see the matchups. It's, it's a perfect setup for him. Uh, great for us here as well. A final thing for you. Just Are you headed anywhere this weekend for your scout? Is there a game that you're eager to get feedback on? 
I am. I'm actually staying at home. South Alabama plays Marshall, and Marshall's got uh, a couple prospects: uh, Ethan Driscoll, their left tackle, and a kid named Rashin Ali at uh, running back, who are both really good players. Both draftable players, you know, group of five level, but both draftable guys, probably mid round prospects. Um, so I haven't seen those guys. I haven't been up to Huntington in a few years now. So I'm going to catch them in my backyard. And uh, and then I got my son coming home for Thanksgiving from Auburn, and it's going to be a great weekend. Excited. Excited for uh, week 12 coming up as well. Hey, uh, Jim, thank you so much, man. We appreciate this each week and uh, enjoy the weekend. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, there's Jim Nagy. I miss getting a full week off for Thanksgiving. That's what uh, really bums me out when I hear that college kids. Like the long, you get a month off for Christmas and then a full week off for Thanksgiving. What was our time off in like high school? Do you remember? I, I think we got off like a half day on Wednesday. It wasn't much at all. Yeah, I think you're right. Got Thursday and Friday and that was it. Yeah, these week long vacations for high school kids started well after we were out of high school. Hutton. I had no fall break. There was no such thing as fall break. I didn't have. I I had a spring break. I think one year I got out the day before Christmas Eve for Christmas break. I think it was like December twenty third. Chad went to school on Christmas Day. Yeah, and I walked <laughs> to school on Uncle Christmas Day. Right. We opened our <laughs> gifts at five a.m. and then walked to school. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I remember that was just a huge, a welcome moment when you made it to college and you like had your last final exam on December 2nd or 3rd and you had the full month off to come back home. So great. And the Thanksgiving break was always fun in college. How about Cody Schrader, So congrats to Jim Nagy's son. Take the teams out of it. What a... a, Oh, uh, he was awesome. It was fantastic. And Uh, He shredded, I mean, in every way, through the air, on the ground. um, uh, Great performance from him. Just quickly looking ahead, you've got uh, Utah and Arizona this week, top 25 matchup, Georgia, Tennessee, and um, you know some fringe top 25 games as well, but uh, Washington, a, Oregon the, State. It, this is the rough week in the SEC where you get a lot of um, easy games, cupcake games yeah. for the SEC, and uh, outside of that, like I, Ole I Miss, know, Louisiana, Monroe. Yeah, it's Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, Florida are some good games. Uh, other than that, a lot of cupcakes. Jimbo Fisher, not the only head coach who was fired. We'll discuss what Mississippi State might do uh, more in depth. Plus, uh, Johnny Manziel and the actor who would play him. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six the Peabody location. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton with Rose. We're back, on. baby. That's right. We are back. That's right. Uh, Zach Arnett out as the head coach at Mississippi State. Um, of course, he was the fill-in and uh, head coach uh, with Mike Leach's passing a year ago. And it was a no-brainer then, right? With their defense. No longer. You think it's Dan Mullen? You mentioned him earlier. That's not a... I think Dan, Dan Mullen... I, I mean, I personally... I think he wants to coach again. 
Does do he want to go back? Do you go back to Mississippi State? But right. but do you go back to Mississippi State where it plays into this angle? You mentioned you're going to nine games and the new format with uh, I haven't seen Mississippi State's we know they're playing Ole Miss. Um you cut, you're right. You, he does kind of have the the stoops treatment of six or seven wins is the expectation. And can you get there? The I mean, the answer would be yes there because we've seen him do a lot more than that there. The question would be, do you go there and just settle for that? I, that I would be the expectation. I mean, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. I, I, you, I really do. I, I think that would be as close to a home run higher as you could get at Mississippi State. I, I really believe that. He was never in any danger of ever losing his job at Mississippi State uh, while he was there. If you can stay in Starkville that long and have some level of success the way he did, that is quite the accomplishment in the SEC. Now, as the SEC changes, and my computer is frozen up, I was trying okay. to find their, their schedule next year uh, to see. I, I know they play Tennessee, which is a difference, I think, in Knoxville. But I want to see between Oklahoma and Texas who they were playing in year one. Uh, schedule's going to get tougher, especially as they move to nine conference games. But, um, yeah, I, I think that would be a good move for them. It would make a ton of sense. He gets a uh, – Mullins bio, he gets a million dollars every July 15th through 2027 after the lump payout that he had. Um, looking at their schedule right now, um, do you have it pulled up over there, Davey? My computer's also done. Yeah, I got it for 2024. So their non-conference games, Eastern Kentucky, Arizona State, Toledo, and UMass. And their home opponents in the SEC are Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M. Away opponents are Ole Miss, Georgia, Texas, and Tennessee. So a chance at 6-6, and right? They're going to get four non-conference wins. You said Arkansas at home, right? Correct. That could be five. Uh, Missouri's doable, probably four. I mean, they're going to get... They're going to have a chance to go bowling next year for year one, whoever the coach is. Why not Dan Mullen? He got a ton of success there. He obviously knows the the landscape of the university and the recruiting territory. Uh, I think they could do a lot worse. The other name uh, is Jamie Chadwell at uh, from Liberty. And this is hilarious. Davey, we think that this was something that was fabricated. Is yes. that right? Yes, that's that is my conclusion on the situation. So he tweeted or uh, posted on X that they were moving his coach's show to Wednesday and the university sent out a, a statement. Hey, coach Chadwell show for Liberty will be moved to, to Wednesday night from Tuesday. And he just retweeted and said, see y'all on Wednesday. And then underneath it, people were reach, uh, reposting this. You look at it. It has the location turned on. It was Starkville, Mississippi is where he posted it from. <laughs> But apparently that was something that was fabricated. It looked like a fan came in Already and ed- edited on the back end. Uh, yeah. It's really funny, though, that if you left your location on as to why you weren't at your coach's show and you were already in Starkville <laughs> interviewing. It's like really the, the, the rogue flights, like a, a coaching search. Yeah. Where you can't find the athletic director. He's just gone. That was, uh, yeah, that's happened a few times. That was a, was coaching a, search season. But look, it's, it's Dan Mullen. And, I mean, if and, you're and, Mississippi State. What level are you going to hire? It's Dan Mullen, a guy who's accomplished a lot already for your program. You're not going to go get some huge name. I don't think that's a possibility at Mississippi State. So you're hiring Jamie Chadwell, who I think is going to be a good coach. I think that that, that would be a good hire for Mississippi State also. 
you're getting that group of five coach ready to take a step up, probably, right? Or a coordinator from somewhere else. Yeah, but I mean. Who's the Dan Lanning out there? That's, that'd be a question I have if I'm Mississippi State or any of these other jobs that come open. Indiana's probably going to make a change uh, at head coach. Who is that coordinator that's a younger guy who is set to make the next step up? Got to ask yourself that also if you're one of these jobs. So just looking at the list that they put together at on three for this, um, Willie Fritz at Tulane, Rhett Lashley at SMU, Jamie Chadwell, they also have on here, which is interesting, Manny Diaz, the Penn State defensive coordinator, and Dan Mullen tops the list. Manny Diaz was at Mississippi State before, right, as a defensive coordinator yes. for Mullen, I think. Yes. So he's yeah. got some ties there. Um, and he was the DC, he was the DC twice there for Mullen, um, or for Dan Mullen. So didn't have a good run as at head Miami. coach in Miami. No. So, but I mean. I mean, if you gave me the option, if I'm Mississippi State, of Dan Mullen or Manny Diaz, I'm I'm hiring Dan Mullen. And he's I'm been not even not even second guessing that one bit. He's been excellent at Penn State until we saw what happened this past week with the the mauling that took place uh, up front. Uh, Chad, so the Manziel Netflix Untold Johnny Football uh, has turned into. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I wish it was a longer form piece. Would you watch a show of Johnny Manziel played by Miles Teller? Now, is, is this a show or a movie that they've talked about? I, I feel like this is well, a movie they've discussed uh, that, that was. So Johnny Manziel was on a podcast talking about it, and they asked him who would play him in his life story. And he said Miles Teller. And then he dropped some news that, in fact, I've met with Miles Teller about playing me, I think, in a movie is what it was. Um, I would absolutely watch this. First off, I love Miles Teller. He was terrific as Goose's son, Rooster, in Top Gun Maverick. Uh, He's great and spectacular now. He's been good at everything I've watched. Project X, he makes a a small appearance in that. Very underrated comedy film as well. Uh, Yes, I would watch Miles Teller as Johnny Manziel. Are Are you kidding me? Uh, if this thing hit the theaters, I doubt it would. It'd probably be straight to streaming. But if it was in theaters, I'd be there opening night to watch Miles Teller portray Johnny Football in a movie. Uh, I, I absolutely would watch it. I I would hope that it's just more about the behind-the-scenes partying. It's, it would be like a, a, a 2024 version, 25 version of The Hangover. Well, here's the question I would have about it, too. Okay, Because if, if they do something, Manziel's going to have to sign off. And uh, I'm going to get a little bit serious here for a second because Ryan Leaf made us think twice about that yeah. documentary with it. How are you going to approach this? I mentioned Project X. Is this thing The Hangover and Project X where it's one big comedy about a guy partying a lot and it kind of makes it into a farce about everything going on? Are you, are you looking at a serious, introspective look into his mental health addiction problems and everything else that cost him his job in the NFL. I I don't know what type of movie this is, right? Like what's the vision for this? Because I think if it's Johnny football behind it, it's probably a comedy, right? It's, it's Wolf of wall street. It's it's not going to be something that's really taking a look at someone with, with some issues. So, and they're not going to make that film. They're going to make the film that gets, they're going to make the film that he signs off on. Well, but that's attractive. 
You know, they, they, that's what they did for Netflix with the Untold. Yeah, they, they used the the thought that he had considered taking his life, and then they put that at the very end, and then everything else was. It's kind of brushed what it past was. us. Yeah, so they they did the same thing already. You know. Yeah. I uh, I wanted to add that Miles. Uh, if you ever watch the movie Bleed for this, he plays a boxer that basically broke his neck and is trying to fight back and be that comeback story. So if they wanted to get deep with it, Miles has the range in which oh, they would definitely sure. be able to do that. Um, Whiplash was yeah. like another great Whiplash film where it's awesome. a more serious character. So I have no issues with that. So I think if if the director wanted to take it in that direction of going deep into Johnny's substance issues and that dark Maybe depression, so. they they could write a really good script around that, and Miles would definitely be able to knock it out of the park, in my opinion. It is tough. Um, so Wolf of Wall Street is an example, right? A real-life guy, Jordan Belfort. It's so much easier to watch that movie and be entertained. First off, great performances, and it's Scorsese throughout, one of Hutton's favorite movies, and it's Leo. Great to watch that throughout. Right. But also, I know watching it that Jordan Belfort's okay, right? Like, he survived all of that. He's fine. He's alive. He's well. You know, he's in a different place in life. Like It's more difficult to watch, I think, if you feel like Johnny Manziel is still either suicidal or suffering through something. So, th- And that's what Ryan Leaf kind of got at with us when we had him on talking about it. Given Ryan Leaf's history also, that was a difficult part for him to process watching the documentary. And he feels like they failed him in this with, with the Netflix documentary. So... You know, how do you play that movie and how do you play that role and what type of movie is it, I think is a big question. But Miles Teller would crush it as Johnny Manziel, whatever the movie was. Now, look, if this was 10 years from now and it's more of a Wolf of Wall Street comedy type thing, he'd be great in that. And as Davey said, if they went serious with it, I think he'd be good. Yeah, Uh, he'd be awesome. And he's done plenty of those roles. Uh, I mean, what Manziel's doing now is he's running the money bar. He's got that going for him, too on Main Street and College Station. Right. You know? Yeah. He's helping uh, the coaching search, he said. <laughs> or would, I mean, would be willing to. Yeah, like, I, 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 we hung out with him a little bit. He seemed fine. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I get what Ryan, Ryan Leaf made me think twice about what I even thought about the documentary. I enjoyed it, watching it, but I understand his perspective, saying, here's all of this talk about all of his issues, and the focus of it is him and his guys, you know, doing shotgunning drinks at, at his but house that, in Scottsdale. But you're right. I mean, that's where the character becomes the person, right? Like, he is it Johnny Football or Johnny Manziel? What, what's the movie on? Right. And the movie, is, or is it both? You know, you could do a little bit of both with that. I yeah. just, I, I don't know what. I'd have to know what it is, the who the director is, what what they're going for with it to know, but. Yes, Miles Teller should play him. Hey, uh, great, uh, great thoughts. Best of luck and everything to uh, uh, to Dick Vitale, Dickie V, uh, who told ESPN and through a statement last month that he was uh, cancer free following his, his latest health battle. They are uh, pressing the brakes a bit on his return though, because his vocal cords are just not there yet, and. I think they, they had hoped that he makes his broadcast return at the end of this month, and they're pushing that back some. I, don't rush it, but this, I mean, this is coming from someone who was tired of Dickie V. I would love for him to make a final run doing yeah. this. Um, and it's, 
it's got a Corso feel to it in a way, Chad, yeah. where I don't want to see him off air, but I also want to see Dickie V be Dickie V. And the best news is that he let everyone know he's cancer free. No, uh, yeah, wishing him the best, absolutely. And um, yeah, I've got my reservations about you know some of his work lately, but yeah. he is such an instrumental part of college basketball. You mentioned Lee Corso, same thing. Every time I turn on college game day and Corso's not there, I get nervous. I get worried when he's not there on the show. So I have a lot of similar feelings about both those guys. And if you've been around those sports or watched any of it, they're synonymous with those games. So uh, wishing him the best of luck. We got some big games kick, uh, tipping off tonight. College hoops, Davey. We your do, team? yeah. The, your, uh, your, your Blue Devils. Oh, the Champions Classic. And this year, Duke will be taking on Michigan State. And then they'll end up having the college football playoff rankings released between games because Kentucky and Kansas will be the final matchup for that. But, I mean, I kind of view that as the beginning of the college basketball season. Whenever this game comes around every Tuesday, yeah. uh, this time of year in November, I start getting a little excited for it's it. It's been the first game of the year. Like, this is actually a week later, I feel like, they usually do it. A lot of times, this is the tip-off. The, like, these teams yeah. play in the first game of the year to kick off the season, and now it's kind of a week into the season, week and a half into the season. I like that. Yeah, cool with that. Either way, it's good. I love games like this. And it's whenever a, you can get them, it pulls in the audience because a large portion of the college football fans are invested in these rankings. I mean, you you want to know? Quick mention, going by on. the way, Davey knows that John Shire lost his first game at Cameron Indoor against Arizona, and Coach K was there for the first time. The first game Coach oh. K attended. Second. Duke loses. Second. Se okay. Back Second. at it tomorrow. Hope you'll join us three o'clock Eastern. Hot my with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network.